podcast we're on episode 69 today and we're back with malazan we've got here in oh, the tough one yeah i'm excited for this episode we're uh, we're on memories of ice if people are keeping up so um we're on book three which is a mm. uh, it's, it's a bloody good book let's let's go with that let's get that out of the way it's it's up there as one of my favorites so far um if you're keeping up to date the last time i think we did an episode i was only on house of chains I'm now mm-hmm. on book seven, so we're nearly. I'm nearly caught up, so the episodes will start to come out a bit more frequently. Um, but yeah, let's just get into it. I mean, yeah, no memories of ice, guys. Thoughts, initial thoughts before we dive in. Well, my initial thoughts is that I stopped reading this series twice, and both times are on this book. Um, Controversial, man. That's it, but at the same time understandable, but also <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, Mainly because when I uh, originally read the series, I didn't really like the Ginnabaka stuff at all. Um, book one was just like, ah, I don't like this. Um, I, I didn't like it. I, I liked it a bit more when reading it, but Ginnabaka in general just felt, of like in a, in a series that's very distinctly original in its take of fantasy, it felt like Ginnabaka was its most unoriginal fantasy, if that makes sense um, at all. Anus. Um, yeah, but anyway, I didn't like it that much. And also off the back of De- Dead House Gates, which is just... Ooh, as we said already, um, mm. this just didn't do it for me. Um, like originally, um, <laughs> the violence. <sighs> we'll get to that later. I, I like I, on my third reread, and obviously the one which carried me over into the rest of the series. I did like it a lot more um, for reasons that we'll get to. I think. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is easily one of my favorite in the series. It deals with. The characters that I love the most, Whiskey Jack, Anamanda Ray, Caligan Brood, uh, Tok the Younger specifically as well, uh, Tool is in it, just Ictovian as well. I've mentioned before, in, in, I think in our first Malazan. I believe so. it's Ictovian. It's Ictovian it is. I'm fairly certain. It's, there's no K in front of it. It's Yes, Ictovian. Oh, shit, my I mean, it doesn't really matter. We we fucked up half the names. No, it, anyway. it matters with my king because he is he is. Yeah, it does matter uh, I, because I've I've been mispronouncing it for like the last five years. <laughs> I, I I genuinely believe he is perhaps the 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 only sort of fully good character in terms mm. of being a good person, so to speak, in the entire mm. series. I think just unobjectively, just someone. Just endlessly compassionate, and that's of course his, you know, his his role as, as a shield animal. But he takes it so seriously and so beautifully. It's he's superb. He, he's really only sort of features in in this as a Kovian, but uh, he's he's just supreme, supreme. There's something like weirdly sinister about him, though. At the same time, in my opinion, weirdly sinister. Um, like towards, for example, the scene where he, you know, where he, his whole the whole point of him is to sort of take in the sorrow. Mm-hmm. And the and the anguish of people around him, you know, those yeah. the members of is it Fenno's tusks? Is that what they're called? Uh, the Grey Swords. Yeah. Grey Swords, sorry. Um, the Grey Swords, and obviously the Teneskari and Anans- Anando. Anasta. Anasta. Okay, you know, like the scene when, like, if I remember correctly, the scene where he like asks, well, like tells Anasta he'll take his sorrows upon him. The fear in Anasta's face. Obviously, it makes sense in the context of Anasta. Anasta is like, mm. um. Is literally born of that dis- of that anguish and disgust and hatred, self hatred. Exactly. You know? But at the same time, the weird, like, I the way I imagine this is like it's Covian, covered in this like gray sheen, like some sort of righteous god almost or demigod who's come to sort of strip you of yourself. It feels at the same time it is like a, an angel kind of like coming to take you to heaven almost. But at the same time, that feels kind of uncomfortable. I don't know. I, I think that's just me. Like it, the idea of stripping someone of their entire personality, however evil their personality is, just I don't know. Again, that's that's why Anasta flees in terror, right? Like that's yeah, yeah. Ikovian represents the exact opposite in the way that he Anasta's all taking, he is Ikovian's yeah. all giving. So he's going yeah. to give on to Anasta the the release from from all that he is, but at the same time, like Anasta, he's basically um, a messiah figure. He's Jesus in, in a way, literally. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. is it. His grave um, at the end, you know, when everyone from both sides of the conflict come and leave, mm-hmm. um, come and leave stuff on his grave, and then the grave becomes sanctified somehow. I can't remember by who. So the, and it, the Talan, 
uh, yeah, yeah, to land sanctify it so it becomes, you know, undestructible. You know, he is, he's like almost, it's, it's another, um, you know, him taking in the, uh, the, the guilt and the anguish and the 300,000 years of life of the Amas and giving them back their memories is almost as impactful, I think, as, um, Coltane's death. I would say so. Uh, I would yeah. say so. And, you know, like another example of a, another legend created, you know, like a, with a, a, a far reaching implication through an act of a, a small act. Uh, no, no, a great act. It's an, okay. an incalculably vast act of compassion. But it's an incredibly vast act of compassion, but it's a lot more small scale <laughs> than dragging tens of thousands of people across the entire continent. I mean, it the point is, is, but the point is, geographically smaller. I mean, oh right, yeah, in, like, in terms yeah, of yeah, localized. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, but then again, but the... in, let them finish. But in terms of the, the the sheer emotional weight and the sort of thematic depth of it, you know, it's like poor. It means a lot to the Talan who have lived three hundred thousand years of life stripped of their ancestral memory, you know, yeah. unable to die, unable to be anything more than husks, you know, suddenly have been given this promise that they will get their memories back when they are, you know, released from the what's it called again? The Thing ritual that, of Talan. Yeah, when they're released from the ritual and a return to life, like I think Tool is at the mm -hmm. end of this one. Yeah, yeah you know, like yeah. their memories will be returned to them. God, I fucking hate Silver Fox though. She's a like. Piece I of hate work, Silver, man. I hate Silver Fox. I I hate her like a you know she comes off as like a bratty teenager, which I think is kind of slightly the point. Uh, yeah. Silver Fox, if for those who well, actually people listening to this are likely going to know who Silver Fox is, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. Well, I mean, first of all, Aiden, Remy's revised for you. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> we, I mean, we got straight <laughs> into it. Fine. I kind of I kind of touched on it anyway, but like so far, as I said, I'm on their book seven. For a long until Bone Hunters, so spoiler alert, that's my damn favorite. But this was by far the best one of the bunch. Dead House wasn't very far behind, mm. but the, like the last part, like quarter of this book was just fucking insane. Like I was just non-stop, like gasping and clutching, and then stressing out. And and I, I obviously I was kind of commenting to yourself, Nathaniel, as I was going through it, and like you know. We're getting into the spoilers, so if you're listening to this, like, there's there's big spoilers, but like, I, like a fucking new whiskey Jack was gonna bite the bullet. Like, you, you, it was set up, but he's one of my favorite characters, and I was just fucking livid. But again, it was just treated so well. Like, I mean, we again we discussed, but like, his relationship with Amanda Rake was some of the best parts of this book. Just the I, way they kind of mm, respected each other, like mm, two completely different species, but both drawn together from like war and, you know, just constant battles. And the, like the, the admiration they have for each other, like the fact is, like I could call you a friend, like so good, so from, so good. coming from Rake as well. That's like that's yeah. that's 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 just such an honor. It's essentially but, a god been like you're my mate, actually, like. I don't see you as anything less than my 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 ally and friend. And he like big compliments. Yeah, yeah. I remember correctly. Towards the end of the book, it's revealed that the whole the whole Malazan thing is revealed to them, right? Yeah. The whole idea that Dujek and the and the bridge yeah. burners were deliberately split from Malaz from the Malazan Empire in order to team up to deal with the um, Panion Domin, right? Yeah. yeah. At yeah. the same yeah. time, despite that reveal, they still stick together. R R Rake knew it. I'm fairly yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Rake did know. Rake knew the yeah. whole time. But the point is, like, it doesn't split them apart because they begin to appreciate and understand each other as people beyond the barrier yeah. of war that had existed mm. beforehand. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 their sort of union is is fraught, particularly at the beginning mm. of the novel, where they're sort of seeing this first coming together of Caledron Brood's army and Dujek One Arm's host, which have been yeah. fighting for decades at this point. So mm. it's, it's very fraught with tension and some amazing minutes. But I, I think as well, it should be worth just outlining the general plot is that this yeah. takes place roughly, well, not roughly, uh, during the process and the events of Dead House Gates at the same time, just on a different continent. Yeah. Back here, so, so basically right after Guns of the Moon. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. So it yeah, takes yeah. place almost immediately after Guns of the Moon. Yeah. Uh, so this is all occurring on Ganabacus. Uh This is right after all the events of gardens of the moon so all the big players are in, in, in place but now they're coming together and all and working together it's it's interesting setup but primarily this novel concerns itself with you know the force that brings those two opposing forces together which is the panion domin which yeah. is this 
all sort of devouring empire uh, that has sort of sprung up to the south of Rudistan and sort of making its way and consuming cities at a rapid pace throughout Genabacus. And uh, it's this this force which represents, you know, the, this sort of threat of the crippled god as well that sort of unifies all the powers of the world against it. And uh, it's this novel, without spoiling too much in, in the overall description of it, details that war against the Pan and Domin and all the amazing events that occur in it. So, mm. you know, we've thrown in some spoilers, but past this point, 100% spoiler warning, because, like, <laughs> we want to talk about the good bits. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I want to I yeah. quickly bring in my favorite part of the book before I forget about it in the mm-hmm. sort of wave of conversation. Um, <laughs> I had I, forgotten about this scene um, until I read the summary, because obviously I read this book a while ago. So yeah, I had of course. To, I read a detailed summary of it just before this. And I was, I, I don't know how I forgot this scene because I think it's amazing. Obviously, Croup comes back. Croup, the absolute. I know, I know what you're going to say now. <laughs> and like, you know, like Croup is like leading them all on when they're meeting up. And then Caladan Brood whamps out his hammer that's said to destroy continents and just brings it down on Croup. And Croup's just like completely unharmed. I just, <laughs> Croup's such a king. You know, obviously, he's got the backing of Cruel, um, the Elder God, but still. You know, like he it just get so he just gets away it. with shit. You know, like <laughs> <we're a king. laughs> I love how he wasn't even supposed to be like he wasn't part of uh, the Darudistan Council. Like he just rocks up first. And he's like, "Hello, it's me." <laughs> he's, on, he's on his wacky donkey. <laughs> yeah, he, he just rocks up, and they're like, "This is this is what." And like he literally delayed the Darudistan Council. It's like Cole rocks up. And he's absolutely furious that Croup's <laughs> meddling with it all. I I just love all that. And like just amazing. the bit where he's like um the very first meeting uh where the, the the table with the cards like levitates and Croup's just hanging off the leg of it. <laughs> just uh, sublime. Yeah. Sublime. It's a, it's a, it's he's an amazing character. Again, yeah, I think is. I said this in an earlier podcast, but he has his he has one of the, the most distinctive way of talking mm. in the mm. whole series in regards mm. to the him and maybe um Iskaral pushed as well from uh yeah. Um, just the, like I, one of my criticisms of the book, which um, I think I've said before, is that, like this is a this is a thing that I have in a lot of fantasy. I, unless you're really paying attention, you can get caught up in the way that the characters are written, mm-hmm. in the sense that they become they all kind of bleed into each other because they all sound so similar. They all exist within the same space as military soldiers, and don't get enough time to themselves, and yeah. so end up just being like the same person. So if you're not paying attention or you're struggling with the book, they don't come off. As individuals, but mm. Krupp and Iskarel pushed are so distinct in their style of talking that you cannot, you 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 have to disconnect them. Yeah, you can't get them confused you know? with anyone else. Yeah, and obviously the fact that well, once you you know read enough into the series and re- reread it uh, enough, the the characters do become very distinct. Like oh, he yeah. has very like I'm not going to deny that he has incredible characters. He does have incredible characters. Um, it's just for early for early readers, I think it's a bit of a struggle that you have mm. to overcome. Um, again. I think that's just the case of it being his first book. You know, I think that's just the case of a, a young writer with a massive vision struggling a bit with his characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's fine. You know, like and he, he massively improves. So yeah, whatever. Anyway, that that's that's my take on group. I mean, he, he is a superb character, and he definitely gets done justice throughout yeah. the series. But yeah, yeah. Know, particularly in, in Toll the Hounds, he gets his sort of oh, center, yeah, yeah, center, yeah. center stage in that. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, we don't want to spoil, spoil anything for, for Aiden in that regard, but uh, so close, so close, so so very yeah. close. Um, mm-hmm. but generally speaking, I, I enjoy this entire novel, the whole thing, mm-hmm. all of it, the way it builds towards to it all. The Panyan itself is extremely interesting in terms of the way he presents it as a very convincing sort of just it's, it's even though we're talking about a world full of magic, right? Like with literal magic, demigods, we've got you know, sister, like. Lady Envy just tearing her way through the, the continent with a giant dog and, and an ancient prehistoric wolf with three guys yeah. who are literally like just magic Jedis, pretty much. So <laughs> right, uh, I, Whenever I read them, I always think they're right out of Berserk, to be honest. Yeah, it does. They, it, give, they, they give do. off a, a kind of guts vibe. Yeah. The way they're distant, the way they hold themselves, the way they, they fight. Um, mm. Feels kind of gutsy to me. That is amazing, um, though. That that, that is yeah. their punitive army. It's just three guys. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, like, well, I mean, one of them takes out Tool towards the end. He Mark. does, yeah. Mark, Mark, he does. Yeah. Ruin, and, and almost kills him. We would have killed him. Yeah, it was fucking insane. Like the guy is an absolute beast. Like for those who don't know, Tool is built up as basically being an immortal warrior who cannot die and cannot lose. And mm-hmm. then this like mortal wins. Well, he, he he's the fir- the first sword of the Talanimus. Yeah, he, like, I know it. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, it's just an absolute god, and he gets ruined by a mortal. But the, the thing is, as well, is that he's not even the best. Segula, Segula. Yeah, Segula. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, yeah. he's what? He's got two marks on his. No, mask? I think he's either the second or the third. I can't remember. No, because there's yeah, the the, the, was... the top is an unmarked mask, so he's oh. technically third place. <laughs> he's their yeah, bronze. He's, he's a bronze. <laughs> Like that's yeah, that's just insanity. But I love the fact that they're like, oh yeah, we just got sick and tired of killing his killing the priests, bro. Like, just <laughs> stop, stop sending them to us. We're tired. Leave us alone. And then they're just like, fuck, fuck it. We're gonna send our th- three best guys. Well, well, not the three best guys. Like One. fourth, fourth, fifth, and no, it would be third, fourth, fourth and, and fifth. fifth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're like, yeah, just, 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 just tear your way through all of them. And I mean, no, like, I, I kind of want to book just about this Agule now. To be honest, I, I would. I mean, they, they wouldn't say much though. Like, they, they barely say <laughs> yeah, more than like. Yeah, they'll be directed. Yeah, exactly. They they be they send they're like they're just an island of John Wick, basically. You know, like they just don't <laughs> don't say anything and just kill everyone. I love it. Really, really love it. That's true. But I mean, the, the, I mean, also we've got to go on. Go no, on. no, no, go on, Aiden. Sorry. I was going to say, like the, the after reading this first time, the theme in my head was just pain and punishment mm. like that that was just like the entire book like 90 percent of the characters in this book are either physically or mentally wounded like beyond mm. repair and i mean it, mm. i mean like the, just... panion, the panion domin is built upon that you know the jagu tyrant yeah. who uh, had been thrown into that portal like yeah. what, mm. 300 years in the past or whatever mm. and, yeah. was, and had clearly gone a bit insane <laughs> and had been uh, been corrupted by um you know the 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 chained god who in the past and in the future wink wink uh no wait you already know who i'm talking about um yeah you know corrupts those who are we- who have you know are in intense physical pain like um what's his name the the current lord of the tista edder oh um uh, Rulad. Rulad. yeah 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 exactly right he um that's the chain. That's it. That's his thing. You know, the chain God takes yeah. those who are the who broken, are the broken exactly, yeah. and and the sort of the lost and fucks them. And the Panion Dolmen is like an empire built on that. It has no other purpose than to break and to destroy, because that Jagu tyrant spent three hundred thousand years in agony and is just really pissed off. In other I mean, words, would the Panion Dolmen have understandably. survived? Understandably, understandably. Yeah, it is understandable. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not understandable. I'm just saying, would the Panion Domin have existed simply as a governing body? No, I, I mean, in, just in terms of the, I suppose the, the angle I was going for when I said the realism is in terms of like just the, the capacity of human, like just uh, sort of uh, complacency, right? That like people went along with it just because. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like the priests, uh, the way he describes the priests as well as just being like sort of smiling freaks that just like. Uh, they're just unhinged in a, such a convincing way. It's like, oh, it gives me they're shivers, man. And every, every, every description of the tennis scary, because it was, I will say, it was the tennis scary that you tried to sell me on. They were like, oh, yeah. dude, you're the children of the dead seed and that. I'm like, that is interesting, I will admit. But, <laughs> but the, problem, the problem that I find now, um, I think it's because of the fact that I'm like overexposed to incredibly violent things now, that I think mm. that the violence of the tennis scary now is just a bit too edgy. I don't like it as much as I used to. Like, mm. I think I think it, to some extent, does make sense uh, within the context of you know these are broken people being manipulated massively and twisted and mm-hmm. you know but but they're raping dead corpses, they're eating um you know they're eating corpses they're they're doing all that sort of stuff and I'm gonna be honest the only writer who I've ever read who's been able to get away with writing this stuff without coming off as edgy is Cormac McCarthy and yeah but I mean like. It takes a certain skill, I think, to write about that stuff in a way that doesn't come off as just like here's some gratuitous shit. I'm going to I'm, I'm, you... I'm, I'm gonna disagree firmly there. I don't think it. I don't think it comes across as, as as gratuitous. I don't feel like he's pushing it as like, oh, look at this. Like, oh, they're terrible people. It's yeah. Like, I feel like it serves know, the I... purpose. This is this is no, what humanity no, 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 would no, look no, like if the mis- cripple god was free. Like, this is it. You misunderstand me. I I think it makes sense in the context of the story. I just personally yeah. think that it's gratuitous. I don't oh, yeah. think that story, okay. that that's that thread, that 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 character. Well, mm. no, not that, that character. That entire group, the Teniscari, the the, um, the Jagut Tyrant at the center, the the Panion Seer, mm. um, you know, and Astor, all that would have worked without being hideously and disgr- grotesquely violent and twisted. Yeah. I just don't think he has the capacity to write well enough to make to make it not edgy. I understand what, I mean. what you're saying, but yeah, I I I, I mean. 
yeah, it, it is it is inherently a little bit edgy. Like you can say that, but you can't deny that the siege siege of Kapistan is incredibly compelling because of that. Yeah, no, 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 it is. Um, but I think the siege of Kapistan borders on comedic though like especially with um gruntle and his militia were in that building and they're like killing scores of tenescari until their bodies are heaped up to the heights of it's the literally supporting world. the building yeah that's amazing that is amazing and it is awesome and that's that's not even edgy though that's like almost parodic in my opinion mm. where the blood is so saturated it seeps into the very foundation of the building and holds it up where it's just like congealed blood makes up the stones of a building it's just ridiculous um i like it i like that don't mm. get me wrong i do like that uh it's just, i just it just makes me laugh thinking about it to be honest i i i, I can agree that it's perhaps uh, not a, a little bit exaggeratory but yeah. at the same time it's it, it with gruntle and that like it just the way he yeah, describes yeah. it as well it's like it's it's it's, it's mechanical Right, like, and it's also it also makes sense within the context of the fact that the Tenescari are like legion, a yeah, legion yeah. of untrained, starving hordes, mm. and Gruntle is a competent swordsman, blessed with the abilities of a god. So obviously yep. he is going to carve through them. It's like playing, um, what's that Dynasty Warriors? You know, where you're just some <laughs> guy carving through like tens of thousands of like unnamed NPCs oh. and, that leave no mark on you at all. It's literally that. Yeah. And obviously, with blood and guts involved, and not just like sprites disappearing on the screen, it's going to build up. So it makes sense. It's just given the sheer amount of bodies and the sheer amount of gore created by those bodies, it just comes off as slightly itsy bits ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I, I can I can understand the angle there, hundred yeah, percent. I mean, that does not mean I don't like it. I the Caesar Crab sounds amazing. Yeah. I just think it's that element of it is a bit funny. <laughs> I, I I just I just love it the fact that they're they're sort of. You know, under a Coven sort of plan of sort of surrendering ground, but making sure that they pay for every sort of inch, and yeah, sort of yeah. it literally being legitimate sort of urban combat. That most of the fighting that Gruntle does, like Gruntle's Legion, pretty much yeah. takes place in that one building. They're just trying yeah, to hold yeah, yeah. one building, and so many people die in that one building that like it's it's just obscene the amount really. But I, I think that's again. I, I hate I hate to dismiss it like what you'd say is sort of like edgy writing was as just being the point, but it kind of is that like this is total war that this is a fully sort of if you're playing like Stellaris right there'd be like fanatic spiritualists right that like they will just their, their only war plan is complete eradication that there's no yeah yeah there's no diplomacy or anything and it's yeah. I, I don't know I, I think it works I, and I. I I think it works and I think it's cool. It's just, again, as I keep saying, because I'm a disgusting, dirty, lit snob, mm. I don't think he has the rising quality that others have. To uphold it. Yeah, I, 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 can, yeah. I, can, I can resonate, yeah. but, I, but personally, I disagree. He does have a great imagination and he does have, he is a good writer. I can't, like, he's, there's no way to say he's a bad writer. Um, oh, yeah, no, definitely. Especially within the context of high fantasy. Uh, Brandon Sanderson, wink, wink, Brandon Sanderson. You know. I, I think uh, it is worth knowing. We've kind of overlooked it, but we, this, I, I really genuinely enjoy. Um, I think the intro of this book is perhaps one of the strongest in the series. I think is that where um, the Tista Edder thing, or is it where what's? I no, swear it's, it's Calor. So oh wait, so yeah, first, yeah, I remember now. So first of yeah. all, first of all, we get twofold here: is that we get first a depiction of the sort of like closing days. Of the tel like the Jagut Telanimas war, and it is mm. so crushingly pathetic that you've got like you've got just one 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 mother with two kids, basically all that's left. They're just it's 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 not pathetic. I mean, it's framed in just such a, an obscene way that it's so like so many of the Telanimas have died. There's only a few of them left. Like it's it's taking its toll on both sides, and it's so just pointlessly like needless. It's and and the yeah. way like they describe it in such an offhanded way that they just, they just speared the mother and that was it. Like it was, mm. it's just the way he frames it is so distinctly like this is a war of eradication. And I think it's, it's a very interesting insight because we don't see much across the sort of story in that regard of the actual reality of the Telanimas and Jagut war. So I think it's, mm. it's a really interesting way to, to sort of begin this story. I think it's something that he does very well, actually. Um, by you know by having these massive flashbacks like mm. 150,000 years in the past giving you context to events which still have an effect on characters who are alive yeah. 150,000 years in the future like Kalor for example mm -hmm. who is hundreds of thousands of years old 
but it's still an integral part of the plot of this book. And th- that is, sorry, that is the second half of, of, of uh, oh, yeah, the yeah. intros that we see. Uh, is, it, is it Kroll, Sister of the Cold Knights, and who's the other one? Um, there is, is another one. Is I it Draconis? Remember. It's not Draconis, is it? It is. It is Draconis. Yeah, I think it is Draconis. Yeah. So the three yeah. Elder Gods arrive at the completely eviscerated remnants of Kalos <laughs> Empire as a faction arose against him, literally breached the walls of chaos and brought a god from a foreign world to just bring mm. it crashing down upon his entire, like annihilating his entire empire in one go. Because Kalos was that bad of a dude that they needed to do that. They needed to just annihilate an entire continent to get rid of specifically him and of course he's just sat there chilling he's just like yep <laughs> so this shit coming man and then has the audacity to curse the people who were there to, to, to see him punish he's like yeah, yeah you're gonna die eventually uh you're gonna get trapped within your own creation and you're just gonna whisper wither away and die eventually it's like yeah chill dude like give it up like how how sort of spiteful do you have to be and he, he literally, Kalor, that is just driven by nothing but spite. He's, from the very first instance you see him mentioned, he's just like, the, the way I like envision him speaking, he's just like spitting every word with such venom. Yeah. It's superb, superb. And then he has the audacity to kill Whiskey Jack, bastard. Piece of shit. I, I will say that it's it's almost comedic on, on a reread how mm. often Whiskey Jack's leg gets mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, Oh, he's he's struggling a bit, and then it's like, yeah. no, he's struggling. It's like, yeah, Whiskey Jack's leg is fucking broken. Uh, his leg completely totaled. Like he cannot walk. He cannot walk, yeah. and he's gonna fight. No, no way. Yeah, yeah, it's the, like, the, I think the, it's a, uh, a little bit on the nose. Scattering is a bit obvious. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, Especially when they're like, oh, I should probably probably get see to get that healed. Oh, I should probably heal that yeah, soon. Oh, there's oh. no time. Yes, there is time. Take the time. Yeah, it's, no, 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 it's time, a bit dumb, but considering they have like a million and a half healing mages. Yeah. yeah. But then, then, of course, you can mention the fact that the, um, the, the the chain god has corrupted the Warrens, but there is precedent in this very book to say that, you know, for example, the Bargas gods like cut off the corruption of the of chaos to allow. That comes healing. later like, on, though. That comes later yeah, on. Yeah, no, 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 no. It comes later on, but before Whiskey Jack dies, so he could have like snuck in, got his leg healed. <laughs> I mean, Quick Ben wasn't really with him at that point, though. No, but I, it wasn't just Quick Ben, though. It was some other guy brought him back to life. Like Mallet. Yeah, like Mallet, I'm pretty sure, brings Ictovian back to life after he does something. To be Ictovian, fair, though. Ictovian dies for like a second and then comes back to life. Oh, no, that's Paran. That's Paran. Paran gives him. Yeah, that was Paran. Um, oh. Whiskey Jack's leg was mentioned in Gardens of the Moon. Like, he, he had plenty of time to get that fucking leg fixed. He yeah. really did. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I I just I just think it's funny on the reread. It's like, oh, it's that obvious, yeah. was it? <laughs> Talking about it now, you're like, damn, like it's uh, like I said, I knew it was kind of coming. It was still hard to what like read. It was quite sad, but yeah. afterwards I was like, Yeah, they, they made it way too obvious his leg was gonna give way. I think it's one definitely one of the, the most saddening deaths in the series. Like I mm. I really enjoyed him. Everything between him and Corlat is actually really like heartwarming. Like I genuinely yeah. enjoyed it. It's like two. It's the Tistandi, isn't she? Yeah, the two two very world weary, like war weary people finding comfort in each other, and yeah, actually, I really like, right, isn't it? I, 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 there was, there was, because they're both very experienced, yet both seemed very like immature about it all. And I don't know, it just it was very sweet in a way that that that, that resonated with me. And I think it was doubly brutal that you know she's lived for th- you know thousands of years, yet seeing you know. Whiskey Jack die like that still f- absolutely fucks her up, and I like she knew he would die eventually, but then to die so soon, she was like, to- I mean that's the thing as well with killing off someone as big as Whiskey Jack is, it's affected quite a lot of the main cast, mm. and and mm. like obviously it continues on in further books as other characters who aren't in this then find out about his death. Yeah, like it's quite a long lasting kind of residual effect of his death kind of knocking everyone absolutely yeah. you I mean you mentioned Pran as well obviously he's one of my favorite characters uh and he obviously gets a a nice upgrade in this book and becomes the master yes. of the death That's a mass- spends half spends half the fucking book fiction about it and not really choosing anything to do and then eventually chooses to do something which thank god but it- um 
It's, it was an interesting read, especially with like the in between the whole like oh Tata Snail's back, but she's a teenager. It's a bit weird. It's like an awkward breakup. He's like, oh, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, it's great. So. I like how they actually did tackle that. He wasn't like, oh yeah, just like they they still have feelings. It's like Pran was like, yeah, dude, it's a it's a kid. Like, how am I supposed to talk to a kid? <laughs> yeah. and it's like it's not just her. There's like a dude in there as well. Like, there's some, there's a giant inside I, her. There's, I know there's... we had sex four months ago, but you're a little girl, girl and a boy in there now. It's this just, is just too weird for me. Uh, Sorry. I mean, I got master of the deck shit to do now. I'm I'm hardcore. I I, I will say though, that we get to see raced. Um, uh, the, the the very reluctant owner of the Azath, the finished house in in Darudistan, where he like he like mm. <laughs> because Paran just appears and he's like yeah uh, you've got a water fight dude and he's just like I don't want to do it he's like well it's not my problem but you got a water fight dude like come on like <laughs> I just every, every every instance of race like he's this all powerful Jagut Tarrant he's just kind of like yeah um, life's pretty shit right now like <laughs> there's, no, there's literally of no 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 that's Gothos. Um, uh, yeah. But we do see oh, yeah. we do see Gethel though, uh, Gothos's brother, the uh, yeah. the once herald of Hood who then gets dumped very unceremoniously after getting his face slashed in by uh, is it Brucalia, the um the mortal sword of, of Fenno. Yeah, uh, I remember. Oh, it's, um, the part that uh, the part that got me, yeah, Brucalian. I think it is. Yeah. I, I think this book would have resonated with me and actually made me want to read a bit more of the series instead of just giving up with this one. If I hadn't spoiled a certain event at the very end of it by well, reading um, Duker coming back to life, I I thought uh, I thought that was sublime. I was gonna yeah. say, definitely was one of the points I've written down to discuss in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is I mean it's such a minor thing, but like oh he's back, you know, like it's it's so nice to have him back. He's lurking in that tavern and Duru just down that um, shit tavern. Isn't that Cruel's Bar? It's, it's yeah, it was yeah. Cruel's Temple that they the British oh, burners buy it and uh, yeah, convert yeah. it into a bar for some reason. That was such a perfect way of tying up both these books in literally yeah. just one sentence, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just so I like good. that. I, there was I mean, another. Oh yeah, sorry. One last thing. Oh, no, let's finish Duker and then I'll come back to it. I, in in that ending, I thought it was so so because Duker, for you know, for references not said a single word since he mm -hmm. got brought back to life, but it's in that one instance where he, he sort of actually decides to tell the bridge burners, the story of Coltane and the chain of dogs. And I love the fact that it's treated with their reverence. Like we don't see him. It just ends mm -hmm. on that, that he starts talking. He starts telling that tale. We don't see him say it. We don't see it all, but it's treated with such a, a reverence that, that, that I appreciate immensely that Coltane and the chain of dogs deserves like in universe, but also outside of yeah. that deserves yeah. that reverence and i thought it was sublime a great way to end the book yeah that was there was a good ending um it was a lot better again getting that far i like because of the fact that i was re simply refused to commit to the series mm. it was weird like i've read a lot of complicated books in my time yeah but when i was reading this i always would turn to the wiki you know like what the hell's mm -hmm. going on here let me just confirm what's going on here even though it would get answered like two books later i said to be patient mm -hmm. um and in that process, I've spoiled a lot for myself. Uh, As you would. Enough. Yeah, uh, that was a mistake. Um, I think it just requires a certain level of patience. Like, um, to go slightly off topic, but so relevant to the whole idea of reading. Um, reading a book series right now called Neuromancer, um, which is like cyberpunk. But anyway, the point is that book is very much like, I'm not sure if it's postmodern or modern. Uh, anyway, it 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 relies on the, the experiences of the of the of the re, of the the character, and so the reader. So things aren't explained. Stuff happens around him mm -hmm. without you knowing what's going on, right? And then it's yeah. fully explained later. I was willing to be patient with it, and was then rewarded by the events being explained later. If I'd done that with the Malazan, I think things would have been better. So what you're saying is is you learned the value of patience. Yes, I learned. <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> it does help that Neuromancer is like that thick, and this is that yeah, thick. The, oh, yeah, that is a meaty tome. Look at that. I I, yeah. I I read all of these on Kindle, so I I never got a, a sense of the actual size of them. I'm, I'm a it's big. It's quite satisfying. It's quite satisfying the, as like, you start from like here, and then yeah. you're like here. And I mean, then you get to the end and you're just like, I fucking tamed you. I beat you. I've got Toll the Hounds sat here. And that, that's the hardback copy, courtesy of your, your dad, Aiden. But um, uh, it's yeah. actually a signed copy. But um, 
just books that big because I've read um, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. That is yeah, huge. Yeah. And at a certain point, it's like almost uncomfortable reading the last few pages because the one side's so much heavier than the other. I know that yeah. sounds silly, but it, it, no, you're right. it is a bit of an, just, just the actual physical difficulties actually reading a book. So I, I've, I mean, I'm a huge I, proponent I, for Kindle reading. I've, I've noticed actually more and more, like, I think there was, a, there was a point when I was much younger when I first started reading the Malazan series when I'd read Game of Thrones, where I really liked the idea of reading a thick book. Because I knew it would mm. take time. I knew most of them were fantasy or science fiction, so there was like a guarantee of an interesting world mm-hmm. and you know, like good world building, good plot that could last forever. But now, during the pandemic specifically, and more within the last year and a half, I started reading smaller books mm-hmm. because they're a lot more manageable in the sense of holding them. For one, mm-hmm. <laughs> the actual process of reading is the same, yeah. but like they're shorter. You can get through them more. Um, like it, it, like I burn out quite quickly um, with things. Mm. Uh, like with games, my my moods and my tastes, they all they all stay within the same sort of like few things: fantasy, science fiction, horror, surrealism. But they move quite quickly. Yeah, you see what I mean. Yeah. Like, I'll, like one day I'll be playing a dense RPG, and the next I'll be playing some, you know, some like choose your own adventure novel. And one day I'll be reading Malazan Book of the Fallen, and the next I'll be reading Infinite Jest or whatever. And you know, yeah. like, and that choosing smaller books or short story collections allows for a, like a more malleable like experience flexibility right yeah flexibility yeah, yeah. that's exactly what i've been doing yeah, yeah i don't in have between. to clean it to yeah something massive and it, it feels freeing yeah. almost that, that's exactly why after every malazan book i read a smaller novel in between just to kind of take a break i couldn't and do that it, oh, sorry I, I interrupted you finish your thing first no no it's fine i was just saying like it's nice to have that break and read something that's a little bit smaller. Like, and also after reading like fucking doorstops like this, you yeah. end up reading like a normal size 300 page book in literally like days because you're, it's just like, you're so used to like reading. Cause I try and do chapter to chapter and yeah. Steven Erickson likes to normally do 30 to 50 pages of fucking chapter. So you've got yeah. to give at least an hour of your day away for a chapter. So yeah. it is nice to read in between. I do agree. I mean, I think at, like I've said to Nath, after the Malazan series, I think I will just go back to individual books for a while because reading literally 10 1,000 page books is in a, it'll be nearly a year, I reckon, by the time I've finished is quite a hefty effort, but it's also quite, quite draining, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, like, what I was going to say was I couldn't read these all with breaks because, again, the amount of characters, the amount of events, I just lose track. Yeah. You know, I have to read them all in one go, which leads to burnout. I, I haven't even finished the series. Like, if we do a podcast on the the final book, I'm probably not going to be involved because I'm not reading that shit. Because if I if I do, I have to read the whole series again. Um, you you kind of do a bit for the cripple. Yeah, part, actually. yeah, exactly. Summaries are not going to do it for the final book in the series. Maybe I'll do it eventually, but I just I can't. You know, like at the moment, I can't. I just can't. I can't physically find it myself to read a series that dense. Like every so often, I look over to my bookshelf here and I see all the Game of Thrones books piled up. I'm like, do I read those again? Because it's been ages, and there is talk once again of the Winds of Winter finally being released. And I'm like, bullshit, I man. want, to, like, it's if that actually happens, do I commit to reading the whole series again, <laughs> or do I just give up on ever reading Game of Thrones ever again? I think you, know, you should like, just give up on never reading Game of Thrones ever yeah, again. Because that's mean, I, that's the adult, that's this this the stance I've taken on on that. Yeah, but yeah, I I, like, I will say as a side note, in in, yeah. in opposition to you guys enjoying more of the shorter stories, is that having read all the major league sort of, you know, I've read all the Wheel of Time, I read all the Wheel of Time before I even touched the Malzahn Book of the Fallen. I've read all the Game of Thrones. Is that mm-hmm. I'm 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 wanting something big and dense to commit to and i can be like okay mm. i've got something to to enjoy for the next year or so or less than that because it took me less than a year to get through the miles because it was when i first read them I, and second time around as well uh it's only taken a few months but that was because like when i read them it's all consuming and i like that of being completely subsumed into the world and you know having read, uh, read a lot of them there's not necessarily that much left you should read the dark tower I tried. I tried. Yeah, I know. I know. Book one is trash. For context, Aiden, Stephen, do you know anything about the Dark Tower? Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know about it. Yeah. Well, he wrote the first one when he was 19 years old, and yeah. released it later in life with a few additions, like a few changes. But it's 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 trash. You know, it's like it's, it's clearly a book written by a 19 year old. Uh, <laughs> 19 year olds can write good stuff, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, but not that. Um, great setting. 
you know, it's cool Western inspired fantasy or dark fantasy or just mm. open yeah. fantasy or weird fantasy. But um, book two is a huge step up and it just keeps getting better. Um, I love that series. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of Stephen King's non-fantasy stuff anymore, but I love The Dark Tower. And uh, he um, he considers The Dark Tower series his magnum opus. Uh, so if you're looking for that sort of dense... Maybe deep, maybe I give it another try, but... Yeah. Or another suggestion, the Hyperion Cantos and its sequel books for science fiction. Is that um, the... Anson. Is, is that... Um... Not Leviathan Wakes, right? It's not the the. Oh no 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 no! Again, those are the the nine of those. Read those. True, true. Yeah, I mean that's not fantasy, but that is that world building. I'll add yeah. that to, to to my list. But we need to get back to Memories of Ice. Yeah, right? the story. Yeah. No 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 no! It's it's I love the 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 um the, the sort of takeaways. Uh, what are the segues? Well, the best way the Sorry. best way to bring it back around is we were talking about how big books can be sometimes a struggle. I did not struggle that this pacing of this book, especially because I will say some of the Malazan books, the pacing is a bit janky. Mm. I didn't really struggle with this one. I managed to, I'd managed to be, keep this at a constant pace and really enjoy it throughout. There wasn't bits, but like we were saying off screen, the bit with like the Mabe was, was a little bit. Is, is little it maybe? Maybe I thought it was maybe, maybe. maybe or Mabe. I, I think it was maybe. maybe. Is it, is it, is it maybe? Is maybe? M H Y B E. eBay is what I thought it was. My B. Again, yeah, could, could be any of those. That 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 was some of. At first, it wasn't too bad, but towards the end, I was just like, I, I was starting to skim read it because I was like, mm. I'm really not interested in this. Mm. But apart yeah. from that, I mean, we've got to talk about it. the legit. Some of the mo- like the hardest stuff I've ever had to read was like Tok the Younger's fucking brutal punishment. Like his torture was dark. Yeah. Dude, like, he he just does he just goes from one bad thing to the next, man. Like yeah, I feel so bad for that dude. And then obviously a suicide at the end. That's yeah. That's like I mean I I it's incomprehensible, right? That like he 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 literally. He, he was just some random dude at Pale. Unfortunately, gets like loses his eye to to within the sorcerer's enfilade. Then gets caught up in all of um, um what is it? Uh, what's her name? Um, Lawns, Lawn, the the adjuncts bullshit. Gets tossed into chaos. Yeah. <laughs> gets <laughs> gets left there by Hairlock, and then gets possessed by the, the uh, by the partner of the Beast God, and then gets he sort of gets dumped unceremoniously in a wasteland. It gets found yeah. by sister sister. Um, just the envy, and she's just like, "Yeah, I could mind control you, like these uh, super soldiers behind me, and uh, but I won't." You, 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 good conversation. Don't, don't forget the the undercurrent of the fact that his dad might have been um, killed by the Malazan Empire, and potentially, mm. potentially marked him as a troublemaker. True. That's uh, that's why he sort of was a bit incognito within the claw. Yeah, but exactly, yeah. yeah, but basically, he gets you know. Kroll's just like, yeah, you're going to hate me, dude, but like, it's got to be done. <laughs> I'm like, does it really, does he really need to go through this? And um, so he and basically- he put in a Naster's body at the end and it's just like- He does. Yeah. It becomes uh, the mortal sword of Fandor and Tog. Yeah, but still imagine like being put inside the body of a man who's eaten nothing but human flesh for 20 years. It's a bit horrible, really. No, but, not only uh, a bit horrible, dude, like- <laughs> The torture you, carries on, essentially. On diseases, bro. <laughs> I, oh God, I don't even want to know. But he, how, he, many, how many brains did an Aster eat in twenty years, bro? If you eat a human brain, you're like guaranteed a prion disease. Yeah, I, I think he's a li- little bit fucked. But he... I mean, I take that over the constant bones being snapped and healed instantly and snapped again, like that. Like how much again? Like the mind, like his mind over matter there, like. But Fuck he, that, like it, just reading that. Before he, had, he, he probably even ends up there. He'd spent three weeks starving, was being constantly yeah. like within the tennis guy, was absolutely terrified of Anasta's like batshit insane mother. And he's yeah. he's literally like fighting. She's the leader in, of the um the, yeah, the, the um children of the dead seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she she literally like um he's like fighting the urge to eat human flesh because he's that starving. And then just gets taken to see the uh the Panion Seer and then gets left with the matron who just keeps crushing him and then he, yeah. he literally willingly kills himself because he's gone through that much that you i, I there are very few characters within the series that suffer as much as talk does as unjustly yeah. as talk does 
in the yeah. like he was just a dude trying to do the right thing he all he wanted to do was get back to the Malzan army and he gets literally like uses almost a sacrificial pawn basically it's some really tough shit for, for talk and what worse is it's all in one book like other characters get some pretty bad grief spaced mm. out throughout each story but mm. like memories of ice literally is just like yeah tuck's getting absolutely shafted for the entire thing there is no let up for him apart from i suppose the end if you look at him been reborn he does get a bit of a fresh start and so does tool which is yeah i mean that ends somewhere but you know it, it's it's a, fr- it's a fresh start for him i <laughs> probably shouldn't have said that but it's a it's a fresh start for him and um he it's yeah anyway um i i'm my bad aiden <laughs> fine uh, um it's it's not, not I, that's all i've said yeah also, but, to be fair it's like obvious given the fact that he's now mortal yeah. oh no 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 what, that's not what i'm getting at anyway um that's, 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 yeah uh Anyway, it is a bit of a fresh start, and you know we have Ikovian sort of become the the redeemer and and that, and it's of course also the the very coolest part of the entire book is Moonspawn coming out of the water, just bursting through that the Untosphalax sorcery, and literally yeah. a full unveiling of Kural Gamelay. Like, just is that the shadow? Kural Gamelay, dark. dark, 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 yeah. But I, yeah. I mean, we haven't discussed even Anne Miranda Rake in this book. That like, mm. literally, he rocks up as a dragon, just has the coolest entry. Like they're, they're all they're all waiting for him. He just comes down as a dragon, assembles, and immediately is like, I think I've got to kill Silver Fox. I just pull up pulls out his sword, and he's just like, Yeah, you seem a little bit suspicious. Like you're rejecting my my magical sort of prying. I think I need to put <laughs> end you rightly. I'm like, okay, dude, go off, King. But <laughs> it, I don't know. It, I, I, I mean, I, just, I, I, again, as I've said, I hate her. So, well, yeah, I mean, she, she, yeah. she, she's very petulant with her treatment of the Talana mass. And, mm. you know, when she finds out that the other, other clans have been killed by humans of all things and sort of goes off with them. I, 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 I I'm interested to, to sort of see if that, that comes up again. But, um, you know, it, it's interesting uh, how they sort of frame her as being so extremely you know, full of, of, of very ancient people, a confluence of that, but yet she's still very distinctly an individual and still young. So she's got all that knowledge. But regardless of that, she's still sort of her own person and still needs to learn things in, in a weird way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But again, the, the, the emergence of Moonspawn, because it, it had been missing from the whole thing and Dujek was like yeah they'll, they'll, they'll probably rock up and i've got faith and and they're like yeah we, we can't reach anamanda lamparin like literally gets rebuffed when he tries to and all this sort of thing and they're like anamanda rake's dead we can't rely on him and then it just is because again like even before that is is anamanda had said to call, call that he's like yeah if Kalor tries to kill silver fox just just let loose just get all all of the talana mass like they i don't know how many they have they've got like a couple thousand and she's like yeah just he's just like yeah dude go all out and she's like but we could destroy the continent i'm like holy shit like <laughs> so cool but they're, they're just like yeah we don't really feel like it but we could just annihilate everything i'm like oh. and that's caldron brood as well he's just walking around with a hammer that would literally cause just an earth-wide <laughs> cataclysm and he's just like i've got faith in humanity i think we can do something here that there's 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 hope i'm like that's so cool <laughs> Until Krug comes in and pisses him off, which shows how much of an asshole Krug can be to people. <laughs> I love that the Caladron Brood has been insulted continually by Kalor, this spiteful high king yeah. who literally just lives on God. nothing but loathsome. And all it takes is is the sweet roll eating croup to piss him off enough to pull out. <laughs> I love that I so much. Imagine, like Krug's like face covered in like goo. And his hands just like sticking for the amount of shit he's eating. Yeah, like mm-hmm. giggling <laughs> in Caladan's Brood's, uh, Brood's face would be so funny. I, I, I think literally, Croup just is, is a thorn in, in Caladan Brood's side. Like he just something about him just rubs in the wrong way. But I love that, and yeah. I just love the description. Of, like Croup is having like a, a cherubic, cherubic, cherubic face, cherubic, yeah. cherubic yeah. face, and it's just like oh god, like I don't know. He's just such a su- sublime character that that plays yeah. off all these like you know. Like, like you sort of said, Aiden, to me the other day, that, that, you know, you like the underdogs and Anaranda Rake is like this, he's, he's a god, like he's all, he's all cool and he's a bit edgy and all that sort of thing. And it, 
he's just there alongside Croup. I just think that's such a, a, a beautiful juxtaposition, and it's it, it just got, works like, so well. Godlike warrior just stood there with like his luscious locks flowing <laughs> in the wind, and then Croup just stood in like a fucking party. Yeah. <laughs> Some good shit, man. <laughs> I respect it so much. It's it works so well within within, within the unique tone of the Malazan world. Is you've got such horrific things like the siege of Capistan going on and all of this thing, but yeah, there's still an element of hope in it all. But like, yeah, I, I think you you don't like his philosophical ruminations. I know, Archie, and I will admit, in 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 sort of particularly dust of dreams, it gets a little bit overwhelming in terms of obscene is the word. Okay, yeah, maybe obscene. Yeah, but however, I I so you did you guys didn't really like the stuff with the Mibi and her sort of you know struggles with. I I actually thought it was quite endearing how much she struggles against hating silver fox and i thought mm. that was very real that like and the thing is right like sorry like again i interrupted you Finish no no, your no, no it's fine it's, well, that's really what i was saying is that the, the way they portray it, it's like she is a human being and she's had her youth stripped of her yet she yeah. still cares for what is effectively her child in, in a weird way but is yeah. really the thing is right like thinking about her as a character and as being part of the plot right obviously she's sacrificing her youth for this parasite child essentially mm -hmm. yeah um and you know like you said how these has these have these has these moments like basically bed bound throughout most of the book yeah um, where she's all literally just got her dreams and her memory where she's you know debating whether to hate her own child um mm -hmm. i like that on the surface that sounds great yeah yeah i just hate the way it's written well <laughs> Yeah. I guess I, I don't know I, I just one of the bits where she sort of says to to I think it's call out is like she's trying to encourage her to not kill herself and she's just like well that's just gonna make me hate you even more I'm like that's fucking heavy that's mm. that's you know she doesn't want to hate but she's you know being pushed towards it by all these external factors and it's like she's so deprived of control by these bigger forces at play and it's it's I think it's it's interesting that she's very much seen the, the in the way that we see with um i suppose Absalar is a good way of of also seeing that sorry in the first book is that we have these people who are very much completely at the mercy of these immense powers the, the gods and, and all of that and i think the mibi is where he sort of like really tries to to break that down on a personal level as to how that would feel you know they've been completely deprived of control yet also her, her role in all that was necessary but then Silver Fox kind of throws it all away by being a complete bitch about being the only. I also, I also get kind of annoyed by the fact that like this whole thing with Silver Fox having her, you know, like having her. Obviously, she's the first, you know, mortal bone caster. Mm -hmm. She has control over the entire clan of mass. Um, and then at the end of this book, she doesn't come back for the rest of the series. Kind of, yeah. She, she, yeah, she does. You know, like, this appears off to that one continent that never gets mentioned, really, except offhandedly throughout the entire series, mm. to fight some war that's never even specified in any of the supplementary books. I'm kind of glad you said that, because I asked, I was asking Nath, actually, I was off screen yesterday, if Silver Fox comes back into it, because they yeah. did kind of just leave that. Like, you know, yeah. she's still in command of a load of Talana Mass, and they just, as you said, clearly do nothing with it. I think he realized, what's it, Steven Erickson realized that if uh, if the army of the Talana Mass <laughs> remained, it would be a bit, like a lot of the, the book would be a bit one-sided. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. True, they are a little bit OP. He needed to get them out of the plot, and he didn't do the best job of it, in my opinion. That's how I feel about it. I, th I think he does. I think he does, because if we think about it, in terms of, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but in terms of the later books, is most, if you think about most of the Talana Mass, it's never en masse. It's almost entirely, genuinely, like one or two, and I think that that yeah. works. And I yeah, like yeah, no, that. That's, that's fine. That that's completely fine. I'm talking yeah, about yeah. I'm talking about Silver Fox and the first Bonecaster and her entire army but, just disappearing off. It just feels to me like a cop out because he realized if he carried them on, it'd be like how do half of these scenarios in the later books work if I just have an army that can just yeah, annihilate? I mean, I, I understand what you're saying there, but and I, I, yeah. I think, but I think it also, in some way, he does, it's, it's a bit of a cop-out, but I feel like he justifies it pretty well. I think in the, yeah. you know, it, it definitely a film that gets, the theme that gets built on later on, and we sort of see it with um, sort of Castle Long and Thelem and Tabakai, with like, sort of like the, how the humanity has become the dominant species and pushing out all these elder mm -hmm. races. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I just want to see 
Like I like like I don't remember what the name of this continent is. Um this is it, like Is it a sail? I think it's a sail, yeah, yeah, yeah. A sail is like this this secret continent. Not secret, this this continent that's just in the background of a lot of the series and the supplementary books. And nothing seems to ever happen on them. Like a lot of stuff's mentioned, but like never really elaborated on. And I just like it sounds so interesting. It sounds hideously dangerous. It sounds like so much shit could happen on there. And he just sort of never really brings it to that. There's... And as far as I can tell. There isn't in. Sorry, I don't, I, think, I don't think there's an actual what's his name book like the the other guy. Ian Siasimon. There is one called A Sail, which I've read. Oh, does it take I, place on a sail? I think it does, but it's only a small part of it. Is it doesn't, yeah, it's, and it's a uh, very it's a very isolated story as as far as I remember. Yeah, but we we I will say though that in this book we get introduced to Corbel Brooch and Borchelaine. Uh, yeah, I was the, demon, the demon master and, and the necromancer who actually have their own side stories actually um, yeah they're sort of like a, he, a, a bit of a pairing you know i heard that um he wrote a collection of short stories like dark comedy short stories about them yeah yeah because yeah, they are relatively comedic i mean they're, yeah, they're, they're yeah. terrible but more yeah, borchelaine yeah. than corporal broge yeah there's a sense we said about the the, the comedy there so, yeah. yeah i mean I, I love the fact that like corporal broach like tries to like he like sees the the bone is it Pranchol? i think the bone cast and he's like he like goes to try and talk to him Pranchol just kind of like slaps him away he's like that guy is absolutely insane stay away from him <laughs> yeah i don't know I, I i like all that but um no, i like them as well i just again i i, I think maybe i should read the short stories because they're not I, I terribly am... like yeah. explored in in the in the main series do they come back later or not? As far as I recall, I don't think they do. I think they get mentioned later as like, you know, like a, a couple of weird mages were seen going someplace. Mm. And they're mm. meant to infer that that's them too. I think so, but yeah. I, they're probably mentioned in passing. I don't think they're yeah. explicitly within the plot. But because yeah, well, I will say that Buke actually has an, a, quite an interesting little side story, I think. Quite... Is, that him? Is he the one who turns into a Sparrowhawk at the end? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think, you know, he was, a, he, was a, he was drunk and he was drunk in a bar when his, his family died in a house fire and he's never yeah. forgiven himself. So, so, like, suicidally trying to get himself killed being a caravan mm -hmm. guard. And, you know, he gets all the way through the Siege of Kafistan and he's sort of, he's sort of given himself, like, the redemptive goal that if he kills Corval Brooch, then he can, you know, like... He will free himself of the, of the, the guilt in a way, yeah. which he never does. But he does sort of, thanks to Karuli, turn into a Sparrowhawk and sort of like, f you know, break free of that. Really, it's quite a, it's almost like a side bit, but it's really quite potent. I think in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, it is potent, and yeah. it's, it's nice to see him sort of as far as because again he doesn't get brought up again, does he? He just decides to be a Sparrowhawk and disappears off. Well, I mean, it's not, he can't really, <laughs> he can't really have too much of a story, can he? No, no, no. But I mean, he he like soul taking can obviously change back, right? So, but he he just decides to straight up forsake his human form mm. and Sparrowhawk because that frees him of the the burden of humanity. I think that's you an know? interesting take. Yeah. Like, would would you like if you if your family yeah, all died I... and you had you could become a Sparrowhawk and live a free life, just free of the burden of humanity? Would you? depends right like if it was modernity i got i got my uh, i got my fucking gaming bro i got oh my, my book Christ, you can yeah. <laughs> oh. be a bird streamer bro that could anyway. be your angle <laughs> um we've also got i mentioned like this is where we kind of really get introduced to the cripple god yes sorry yes. setting him up yes, as yes, the yes. big bad you know quick quick ben meets him um and you kind of find out that he's the one who poisoned burn mm. and then obviously yeah. they kind of start to realize his plan and that you know if he can if he can destroy burns warren he can start fucking basically taking out any realm and warren he wants yeah and they're like and 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 again like it's like anamanda rank and calabrish like yeah damn that's that's pretty sucks probably won't <laughs> stop there either should probably do something about it but no anamanda's like do anything about it anamanda's like wait all magic's gonna die I don't, is that a problem? Like, what do you mean? Like, I don't see the issue here. Like, what, what, what's like the, I just what's got the, my cool ass sword. I'm cool. What's the Peter Parker quote? He's like, I'm, I missed the part where that was my problem. <laughs> just bully yeah, Maguire like, and Amanda Rake. But is, is, the, is the War in the Dark even affected? I thought it was separate. It, well, because it kind of is because um, the it's very close to chaos, right? And yeah. the powers of the cripple god are very chaotic, right? Like 
the, yeah, well, the, he, the magic yeah. of the Pan Indominus killed as well because it's all getting fed yeah. through the Cripple God. But yeah. that's why it's poisoning the Warrens as well. It's like the chaos is sort of like it's 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 the the anathema, right? Yeah. But I, I mean, the Cripple God as as an overall antagonist is sublime because it's it's almost like mm. you're fighting a theme of humanity itself. That like yeah. in a way that in the way that the sort of Paran sort of works it out in his head when he gives him a sort of space within the house of the deck of cards. It's like, you kind of feel bad for him almost that like, he doesn't want to be here. And he's, he's, he was, you know, it, it, I don't know. It's, 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 it's interesting the way they, they sort of frame it. And again, the, I always found it interesting that it's not like very basic ways. You'd be like, Oh, we've got to defeat him. We've got to defeat him. It's like, actually, if we make him play by our rules, we can actually defeat him through yeah. the rules, which is make an interesting the deck of dragons exactly so he has to abide by the rules so he's not this cancerous growth it's like no then he actually becomes a, a, a player on the board to actually fight like he's part of the game then and you can actually deal with him yeah. within the game which i thought was yeah. a really really interesting way of sort of presenting the threat a side yeah. note still tied to the chair chain god is that their beliefs rumors in the community that he might be an earth god dragged across dimensions okay, jesus dude, stop, stop, stop 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 <laughs> Is that is that No no stop message? just stop just stop dude. I don't remember anything from that. Okay, day. yeah, yeah. I, I just that is no, that's not true. I know that for a fact, but that's not true. Um okay. but yeah. Uh, that that is I, remember, I just remember like reading his wiki article and then at the bottom where there's sometimes like notes, the notes be like some people believe you might be Jesus or Buddha. I I, I wouldn't <laughs> I would not know. I would okay. Fair enough. This, this is more for Aiden's sake than me actually. Not yeah, knowing, I know, but... I know, I know. I'm just saying that's my only frame of reference. I couldn't. So this is this up. is the danger. This is the danger, Aiden. I do apologize. I'm if... nearly there. I swear to You're God, so I good. am nearly there. I'm, I'm four books from finishing. Yeah, yeah. And in regards to spoilers, I have no idea how that's a spoiler because I literally have no frame of reference as to why. But then again, well, I haven't read a lot of books. Yeah. Anyway, so. they yeah, it could be answered in Cripple God. Uh, um, well, it's kind of kind of on the nose there. It's very eponymous, really. But uh, <laughs> he, he is he is a super, really interesting villain in this. And I, again, so the solution that, that Crick Ben has to the, to the burn problem to like take the Dragoot and his sister and just let them unleash Omtos Falak to cool the planet down, like that's genius. That's he's such so a good genius. Character. Good solution to global warming. I was thinking that, yeah. <laughs> if only. <laughs> we just need a mage. Yeah. yeah. I mean, kind of wrapping up, because I know we, we're, we don't want to go too long. Does anyone have any last thoughts before we kind of go into it? I was just going to say we should talk about the ending of the book, as it's quite a pivotal part of the... Yeah, if you if you want to, if you want to go through the ending, ending properly. I yeah. mean, it's just obviously, you know, you obviously have the battle, um, and that, that is just... Again, like I said, it was done so well. It was written so well. Um, it's non-stop. And even when they're changing in between the, the, the battle and then the things going on with Tok, it's literally mm -hmm. only a couple of pages. He's straight back in the thick of it. There's just the aftermath of it all. You know, obviously, um, One Arm's host is, like, completely dwindled. Mm -hmm. Whiskey Jack, obviously, his death, like, knocks everyone. Half the fucking bridge burners die. Like, these characters More than are half. getting to... Yeah, yeah, they were getting to love in Gardens of the Moon. I just no, they're they're all gone. They're wasted. Um, and then obviously you've got you know, the the best part. Well, the bit that I just it sticks with me is the fact that Anamanda Rake, the absolute fucking king that he is, is just like Moonspawn's on his way out. Let's bury all the fucking bridge burners on there and mm. have that as a final resting place. And it was just such a cool piece of imagery. Like I could just see it all. Um, I agree. And, yeah. You know, just how like Pran and Quick Ben are the only ones who can get on there, mm. and like he blesses it, which I, I think that makes connections to later books, but I could be wrong there. Um, and then obviously, then you've just got the whole, um, you know, Ikka kind of said, Ikkavans funeral, yeah, and like like we like we said, like just starts originally like as a really standard, chilled, small funeral. And then mm. everyone from all sides just kind of praise the guy. Just it, the ending was so good, and like you said, as it the epilogue moves in, that Ducker's alive. Mm. Yeah, he's just alive, and he starts beginning to tell story of Dead House. It, it, yeah. The ending again. Even though I rate Bone Hunters 
higher than this by a smidge because I've only just read it. But mm. the ending to this, I was gripped. Like we said about putting time away to read a book. I think I, I read the last three or four chapters, so about 300 pages worth of this book mm-hmm. in one go because I just could not put it down. There was not a good place to stop. Yeah. It just ran so well. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, again, me and Nafa saying off, off screen, this is one of the most highly regarded one uh, books of the Malazan series. If you look at people's lists and mm. polls, Memories of Ice normally comes in top three without a Easily, day. And, yeah. yeah. And unless unless something drastically changes in these last four books, it will be in my top three. I, yeah. it's, it's definitely in my top three. Definitely. Most but people. I, oh, no, go on, go on, actually. Uh, most people say that uh, this is the book that you get to and finish. If you finish it, you'll like the rest of the series. That I makes think sense. That's totally fair. I think that's totally fair. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, it's basically the cutoff point. Yeah, I, I will say though, we've forgotten though, is this is the first mention or very very obvious of the chain. K- k- Kachain Chamal, which yeah. is, I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting way to, to present them, but they're they're very, very cool, in my opinion. I like them a lot. I and think we can leave that discussion for yeah, another time. Leave that for another episode. <laughs> yeah. I have words to say about that I'm as well. sure. But, but there you go. We've discussed Memories of Ice, the third book in mm-hmm. uh, the Malzahn Book of the Fallen, and it's definitely a doozy. I mean, yeah. if, it's a doozy. It's a doozy. If you haven't, if you haven't, well, if you somehow haven't read the series so far, then Memories of Ice is, you've got so much to enjoy in this book and so much more to enjoy past this as well. Is that, Like Archie said, if you enjoy this book and get through it, then you, you, you're locked in, right? You will enjoy the rest. And hopefully we'll, we'll cover that with our next entry with House of Chains. But thank you for joining us, joining us for episode 69 of the Nerd Impact Podcast and we will catch you later on.